Welcome to episode 75 of No Crying in Baseball, our first episode of season number three, the I Can See Opening Day from My Porch episode. My name is Patty. I'm really excited about March Madness. I'm going to brag for just a second. I am killing it. Both brackets. I'm at 88.1% in the men's bracket. There's a little flame next to my name on ESPN. I am at 84% on the women's bracket. Now, I am very clear. This is going to go all to hell by tomorrow. But at this moment in time, I rock. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth, who also rocks in different ways. Uh, Well, baseball, seeing baseball rocks. I was just going to say, I mean, you definitely rock with this, but you know that this podcast drops two days after we're saying this. So, who knows? Who knows? Check our check our feed to see some Patty updates. By then, I will have tanked. But right now, I'm awesome. And I had a great time watching opening day already. It made it worth it for my early morning hours that I usually keep to be able to see baseball, the two Japan games, not to mention that tearful goodbye to Ichiro, which really, it was amazing. The, he was like beyond a legend, the way that the crowd was reacting to him. And he didn't really do much, but he just had to get on the field and things went wild. That was super classy. I was really happy that he chose to announce the retirement in Japan at those games. That was the right thing to do. I was so impressed and so proud. And he remains a super class act. Good on you, Ichiro. Yeah, I even, because he was playing with the Mariners, which he did for a big chunk of his career, I almost forgot that he had played for the Yankees. But those, oh, there's a lot of yeah. tributes from Yankees players. Actually, CeCe Sabathia, who I've said a couple of nice things about, surprisingly, but here's another one. Get out. He wrote this really sweet tweet basically honoring Ichiro and how, how amazing it was to have had the opportunity to have been his teammate. So, all right, Yankees doing nice things. Did there, I see, said it. Did you see the new Mariners pitcher, the, the Japanese pitcher, whose name, of course, has completely slipped me? But it, in yes. years watching Ichiro, I thought, oh, this is so touching and so impressive because Ichiro made it possible for this guy to have his major league debut for the Mariners in Japan and his whole career is ahead of him because of Ichiro. And to be able to play with him. I saw a weird stat saying that when Ichiro started playing for MLB, three or three, I forget how many, I'm going to just make shit up, but a certain number of the Mariners had not been born yet. Lie with exact figures. It's what we do here on No Crying in Baseball. With an update on our boyfriends and what they're doing in spring training, some good, some a little bit disappointing. We're going to talk about the contract extensions, and to make the math more palatable, I'm going to include not one, but two fun facts. Then Potty Mouth is going to tell you about La Copa de Diversión, which she tells me means the fun cup, but I'll have to see that to believe it. And then we'll try to contain our excitement about opening day. Oh, my God. So last week, I told y'all that Matt Olson was my starting first baseman because I needed a guy on the West Coast. I love Matt Olson. Couldn't decide between him and Andy Diaz. Going with Matt Olson. What did he do? He had surgery on his hand. He had something called his hamate bone. You're removed. making that up. I am not. I read it on the internet. It must be true. That's a real name of a bone hamate. in the hand? Hamate. It sounds bone. like a sandwich from another place. Um but apparently it's not that big a deal because guess who also has had their hamate bones removed? People you like. Two of our Red Sox. Hey, who's that? Big Poppy. All right. JD. And then also our favorite, yeah, our favorite mariner who became a, a John Carlos Dan. Marlin. Marlin. That's what I meant. Yeah, that is close. All that's, those good M teams. All those M teams. And I, that's oh, what we'll remember about him. That is what we'll remember about him. So here's what I'm thinking. So when Matt Olson recovers from his 
hamate bone surgery, he's going to be like a home run hero, right? Apparently. That's that's, that's what happens. Maybe people are just actually, we have an extra bone that we're born with and removing that bone releases this superpower. The hamate is like the appendix of bones is what I think. So a bottom line here is looks like Yandy Diaz it is, is my first baseman on my fantasy boyfriend baseball team. You're doing better with your boyfriends in spring training. I might be if they would actually let this boyfriend play. This is Fernando Tatis Jr. who is showing who is the new star of the podcast. Padres. That's Machado, isn't it? It it seems like it should be. And I know they're buddies. I know they they've got this very close Dominican bond, but you know, Tatis Jr. has shown that he has not been under the bad influence of Machado. Remember, I was nervous about that. I just didn't want him yes, to Yes, I'm gonna mentor him and teach him all of mm-hmm. my who needs to run fast ways. And mm-hmm. yeah. Well, apparently Tatis runs. And he? he he did some amazing running this past Friday. Tell me. He scored from first base on a single. He was on first, he got a good jump, and he just kept kept going and he the the ball actually barely beat him to home plate but they missed the tag because he went head first which maybe not is isn't the best plan but he got his arm in so it was amazing scoring after being on first base at a single in the same game he got two infield singles which means he ran his heart out to get to first base because they were infield hits that became a single and on one of them he then stole second stole third and got a run. He was he came home by a hit, but made that into a run, basically. An infield single got made into a run because of his enthusiasm. So what you're saying is clearly we're going to see him on opening day for the Padres, right? Well, that's not what they're saying. It's that service time. See, whatever, how many, two or three episodes ago when you explained this. Look at you with the vocabulary yeah, words. Yeah, I've learned it really well with these guys because they're making excuses. And I thought that part of it that was that we were talking about how it's now out, out in the open. Well, they still sort of couch it by saying, well, he didn't even have a complete se- season at single A. He's not going to be ready. But if he's doing this against major league players why do you need to spend more time? I, I don't understand that logic. It is not a requirement written down anywhere. They're just blowing smoke because they want to own him for longer. And I'm going to use the word own, which I feel is Ooh, icky yeah. and weird, but that's how, kind of how they're treating him. But um, yeah, so I think he's not going to succumb to the Manny Machado not running it out thing. That Let's hope. I think it looks good. Maybe he'll, he'll be a good influence on Manny. Manny Ooh. Maybe Ooh. Manny's going to have to shake his ass to show that he's worth the big bucks that they've been putting out there for him. All right. Let's talk about more big bucks. This has been a week full of contract extensions. We talked about how the free agency market was so super slow. Well, the contract extension market is super hot and heavy right now. There have been way more contract extensions already than there were all of last year. So it's starting early and there's some big numbers attached to it. I'm going to start you with this fun fact about how major league ballplayers get paid, right? So we talked about with service time and all of that, a ballplayer needs is under team control for six years, which means the team's in charge. They're ex- they have exclusive right to negotiate with that player until they finish their six years of service time. But the first three years of that time, they're paid the league minimum, which is not shabby. It's over half a million dollars. So that's that's pretty good. But comparative, comparatively, that, that word with, with how much players who have negotiated out of free agency make, it's a little different. 
little yeah. different. Yeah, no, it truly is. And some of these rookies mm-hmm. are you know, getting rookie of the year. They're putting up numbers. They are leading the, their teams in runs and all kinds of stats, but they're still getting the league minimum for three years. Then we've talked about arbitration in the past. After those three years, you can go to your arbitration eligible. But get this. I didn't know these numbers. I learned this. This is my new thing that I learned this week. In year four, you are supposed to be paid 40% of what you will earn on the free agency market. Is that a, a ballpark figure or a guarantee? Is that that's how you estimate it? It's an estimation. Yeah. Okay. In year five, you're supposed to earn 60% of what you would get on the open market as a free agent. And in the year in year six, you should earn 80% of what you can make on the open market. But as Pot- Potty Mouth pointed out, that's not like it's going to be a million dollars or a hundred million dollars or whatever. You make up this number. This is everybody's best guess, which is how some people end up going to arbitration. The player says, oh, I'm going to be worth this amount, slides the piece of paper over to the team who says, oh, we think you're going to be worth this amount. And you either agree on it or you go to arbitration because there's no hard and fast number to what that is. So three years at the minimum, and then 40, 60, and 80% of what you're supposed to be making as a free agent. I would like to know what that number was with Mookie Betts because he got his way last year and it was a pretty big difference. And we Mm -hmm. were following that between him and the Mm -hmm. Red Sox. And there's always a little bit of bad feelings because basically they're telling you you're not worth this. And then he showed... He's worth it plus. So I'm wondering what that percentage number was. That's the icky part of arbitration is your team is telling you, no, no, you're not worth as much as you think you are, but you're still ours and we want to keep you. So it's very weird. So Mike Trout, you might remember the name Mike Trout. This happened, of course, right after we finished recording last week. So this is the first time we say to you, right, on the air that Mike Trout signed. Seems like so long ago. Right. A 12-year, $430 million contract extension. Those 12 years include the two years, this year and next year, that he was already under team control before he goes to free agency, right? So that includes some of those arbitration years before he becomes a free agent. So $430 million is like a fake number to me. I have no idea what that means. No clue. Absolutely no clue. Happily, SB Nation has come to the rescue to give us some perspective on what that means. So the average annual value of this contract is $35.8 million just for Mike Trout, just him. The entire Tampa Bay Rays payroll is $39.7 million. Let me say those numbers again. 39.7 for the entire raised payroll, 35.8 for Mike Trout. Got it? Yeah, last I checked, one player can't win a World Series. One player can't even really win a game. Well, you know, the Angels haven't really done much in the playoffs recently, have they? But you know that Mike Trout is kind of a weather nerd? You know what he could do with $430 million? He could buy the Weather Channel for $300 million and still have $130 million left over. And I bet he can live on that. So stay tuned for 10 more years or 11 more years at this point, And we'll see. Maybe maybe that's what he's aiming for. We told you about Nolan Arenado last week, the, you know, the third baseman who signed a huge a huge extension, right? Another third baseman did that this week, Alex Bregman, 24-year-old third baseman of the Astros. He signed a six-year $100 million contract. So that includes this season and the next three arbitration years, right? He's a young guy. He's still new. He's still well within the six years that the Astros have exclusive rights to to negotiate with him. So this buys the four years, including his three arbitration years, and his first two free agency eligible years. 
he this is the second highest contract ever given to a player who hasn't even reached that arbitration stage yet. The first one was Mike Trout the last time he signed a contract extension. Wow. Because that he signed one before he reached arbitration. So this is a guy who has proved himself. He's played, you know, two years now, I guess, with the Astros. He's pretty impressive. So he kind of knows what he's worth. This is probably pretty team friendly. He could probably get more as a free agent later, but he wa- he wants to stay where he is. He loves the Astros. He loves being part of that team. So that counts for some of that. And the team is, you know, is they're keeping their they're keeping the band together is what they're doing, right? Yeah, and fans are really going to respond to a player who does that. Right. Absolutely. Meantime, my boyfriend forever, Anthony Rendon, has been in, in discussions with the Nationals, another third baseman. All right. So we've got Nolan Arenado with his record-breaking contract. We've got Alex Bregman with his record-breaking because of the time in his career where he got a contract. And now we've got Anthony Rendon, who is a phenomenal player, flies under the radar. He was in negotiations negotiations for an extension and then Bregman happened and Arenado happened. So they're back to the drawing board because the amounts have reset. Now there is like, okay, here's what a third baseman who has not yet reached free agency is worth. So hopefully the Nats will cough it up. They don't have to pay Harper anymore. Hopefully they'll cough it up and keep this guy because they better because he's my boyfriend, damn it. The, t- the timing on that works well now that we can, I mean, the whole Harper thing being over. Mm. Yeah, damn it. They, that's exactly where they should put their money. So there's some pressure to finish these negotiations before opening day, but not necessarily. This could happen anytime before free agency happens at the end of the season. Earlier is better because then everybody calms down. No one's wasting any any brain space worrying about, stressing about what's going to happen. At the very beginning of a career here, we've got Eloy Jimenez of the White Sox, who's only 22, who just signed. 22. 22. And you know what that means? He has not debuted as a major league player yet. He has no service time whatsoever. He's an outfielder. He's the White Sox top prospect. He signed a $43 million contract and he's going to start on opening day. Here's the interesting thing about that. It gives him cash sooner. It gives him more cash sooner. This has been called, quote, life-changing money for his family. He's from the Dominican Republic. This is an enormous amount of money. He still lives with his family in the off-season. He says, because my parents... Um, what did he say? They, they they take care of me and they basically give him rules and sort of, you know, they, they're disciplined. They're, they're sort of like, keep they keep him on the straight and narrow. He's a baby. And he's it's worked so far. So I think he's going to like continue doing that. Now look what he can do for his parents with $43 million. So this is for six years. And what this does, it probably underpays him a little for what would be his free agency year. But because now he's going to start an opening day, his service time starts earlier. So he will hit free agency maybe a year earlier than he would have without this contract. Without this contract, he may be one of those guys that goes back and forth to the minors to put that service time off to keep him for seven years. So this will probably work out very well for him. And he gets cash right away. Instead of one day, I will get a boatload of money. It'll be interesting to see if anybody follows suit, because if that's all true and it works out in his favor, then it says a lot about the White Sox as a team. I mean, they're they're also really looking for something to hold on to at this point. And maybe they see that and they have the money to do this instead of, say, 
get that Machado signing that they missed. And that's exactly why some journalists are saying that they did this, because I guess Jimenez, the joke is that he was a very hyperactive child. So his parents for, like, kind of like really tried to channel that into organized sports. So he wasn't bouncing off the walls at home. That makes him an exciting player. You don't get Machado after you promised everybody Machado. Right. You get somebody who's going to be fun to watch because your team didn't do so well last year. But if you have personalities that you can get behind, pay them, get them there, get them up front, and your fans will come and watch and totally buy in to your season, even if it's not going to be a humongous winning season. I'm in. I think I'm paying more attention to the White Sox now because of this. Right? He's going to be fun to watch. So let's talk about pitchers for a second. So um, Patrick Corbin with the Nationals and then Eovaldi signed a really good free agency contract. And we talked last week about, or the week before, about, um, about Sanchez, who signed with the Nationals. And all three of those were early. Those happened quickly in the yeah, those, season. Yeah, those, that's, that's right. Those are much Which is good. And they were good examples of paying people what they're worth and not messing around. But then you've got Keuchel and Kimbrell still at this day on Sunday, the week of opening day, unsigned. Yeah. Who knows by Tuesday, but it's still, this is just stupid. This it's is just, just stupid. stupid. So you've got Justin Verlander and Chris Sale seeing this range of things. And wondering, am I a Patrick Corbin, who is a young superstar? Nope. I am the 36-year-old Verlander, who's a Cy Young guy, who's got good stuff, but I'm a 36-year-old. And Chris Sale, who's a 29-year-old, who's had amazing years and slightly less amazing years. In his past, both these guys just signed extensions themselves. So Verlander, with the Astros, age 36, just signed a two-year, $66 million contract, which gives him a record average annual value for a pitcher. That's pretty exciting. So they've got him till he's 38. That's pretty old. That's I mean, pretty old. I he's, mean, he's smart. To you be you retire like at 38 this. or you say, shoot, put me in the bullpen. What the mm-hmm. heck? I just like being on the ball field, whatever. But, you know, they pay, they're paying him what he's worth. And again, this is the Astros saying, we want to keep the band together, mm-hmm. right? We want these guys. Um, Chris Sale, would also be a free agent at the end of this season. I don't know if I mentioned Verlander would be a free agent at the end of the season as well. So Chris Sale and Justin Verlander are doing this with, are signing these extensions knowing that they would otherwise go to free agency at the end of the season. So Chris Sale, who's 29. And that would mean potentially winding up like Keiko or Kimball and having to wait that long to get a team. So Sale signed a five-year contract extension for $145 million. That's not chump change. That's not Patrick Corbin numbers. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, the Red Sox are lucky on this one, I would say, because Sale really just wants to stay with the team. And he's from Florida, and he lives near Fort Myers. So he it's sort of like an extra two months of the offseason, is how he puts it, of, on being able to live with his family. And it's when his kid's playing Little League. So he's been able to go to his kid's Little League games. He missed one the other day because he was pitching, but he said, you know, it's pretty cool that me and my son are both pitching on the same day. Oh, my God. Okay, so I know that I've been drinking, but I'm tearing up just a little bit hearing that. That's kind of yeah. awesome. Yeah, so he said the deal wasn't all about money. It was family for him, but I think he played it smart. He didn't disguise who do it for the money. He said, you know, in this game, when you're young and healthy, if you can get the money in, you probably should because you never know what's going to happen in the future, and some people really need to be concerned about that. But this is his choice, and he gets to hang out with his son. He's got a baby on the way, too. Pretty exciting. So, yeah. So, you know, different players value different aspects. Is it the money? Is it staying with the team? 
But the guys who stay with the team, I think, mean a lot to the fan base. Exactly. That's going to get the fans to not be the fair weather fans. They're going to be the guys, the people who go to the park and say, I want to see these guys again. They were here last year. I got to know them. I love to watch them play, and they're still here. They're my guys. And I'm going on their bobblehead night. That would be mine. That's right. I would right. Like, look up that bobblehead night. I believe we know when that yeah. is. April. T- oh, we're going to Juan Soto bobblehead night. That's what we're saying ah, here. Yay. yay. I'm going to leave this section with one more fun fact for you. More than one third of the money spent on free agents this season, this off season, went to Harper and Machado. Holy shit. Do you know how many there was? Like how many? Boatloads. There were approximately 200 were. free agents available. Some of them are still unsigned. See, and two see guys and get a third. Two guys get that, a third. I, my math is not that great, but that does not compute. But wait, there's more. And the extension money, the money that was signed into these contract extensions, nearly half of it went to Mike Trout and Nolan Arenado. Wow. And remember, half two people. There are more of those who have already signed contract extensions already before spring. Um, I wanted to say spring break. Oh my God. That would before be fun. opening day, but it feels kind of like spring break. Yeah. Then did all of last year. So there's a lot of them. And still, most of that money went to Nolan Arenado and Mike Trout. Which makes sense. They're back, you know, flashback to Bregman and the extensions. Like, there are very few golden boys that golden. Yeah. You know, to be able to, I mean, everybody looks at, all right, hold out for something like Trout. Well, there aren't that many Trouts. That's not going to work you for that You make me want to say, people. stay golden, pony boy. There you go. Oh, yay. Thank you. That made me happy. <laughs> Cheers to that. Cheers. All right. I'm due. Speaking of money and the other end of money. That is the not getting as much end of money. We've done a lot of talk about how minor league players are kind of screwed. I was actually reading something recently talking about how college players do better than minor league players. They have a higher per diem. Yeah. And they have better like housing and facilities and stuff like that. So these minor league players we talked about last week just had been announced that the Blue Jays were actually going to start paying them. We're talking about, was it 50% increase? Yep. All across all the minor leagues that they they associate with the Blue Jays. So usually it's it is overall the team that gets to decide, but there is a new overall collective bargaining bargaining agreement in the works now. Their current contract expires in September of 2020, and it's looking for, forward to improving those conditions and improving those salaries. So I'm hoping that that's the right direction. An interesting thing about that is that negotiation is between. Major League Baseball and an organization called the National Association of Professional Baseball Leagues. Those would be the minor leagues representatives as opposed to the MLB Players Association who is negotiating at the major league level. So it's with a different organization. I'm so happy to hear that. I don't know if it was because the Blue Jays you know, made this announcement or not, but it's being taken very seriously across the leagues. To give you an idea of how poorly... These players are being paid. There is a, a raised minor league player who bought a school bus to live in. With his girlfriend. With his girlfriend. So it's kind of, okay, I'm going to say adorable. Get your it alcohol sure beverage available. Cheers. Mm-hmm. They bought a school bus or a schoolie. S-K-O-L-O. S-K-O-O-L-I-E, a schoolie. Apparently, there's a hipster nickname for buying a school bus and renovating it. So this guy bought a schoolie with his girlfriend. They renovated it to put in a shower and a toilet and, you know, kitchen equipment and all of this stuff. But way less expensive than an RV because he is on a minor league ball player's salary and she is a grad student. 
So they have very little coming in. So um, she's um, learning, his wife, his girlfriend is learning how to drive the bus. She's not going to like follow camp around, but they're going to figure out where he's going to be assigned and basically establish it in a trailer park. In, in that area. And um, yeah, that's where they're going to live. Yeah. And they, they recognize the mobility of it. You know, if you were to get traded or move, you know, they just move you drive your house, house somewhere yeah. else. That's right. <laughs> it's very practical. Other guys are living six to a two bedroom apartment on air mattresses. Teach me some Spanish, please. More minor league news with the Spanish. We have La Copa de Diversión. Diversión. Which La is Copa de Diversión. diversión. Now, now I'm questioning my, mm. yeah, Diversión. It's a fun cup. Which I'm all about doing fun stuff. So having a fun cup sounds like a good plan to me. Is that a trophy name? It is. I'm not quite sure how you win the trophy, but there is a trophy in La Copa. And there's the Gira de la Copa, which is a tour. This trophy is going on tour to uh, 33 minor league ballparks in 19 states. And these are teams who are having an alternative identity this season. And I don't think there's an actual pattern for when they go through with the alternative identity. And what they have is a name in Spanish. And it's definitely a reach out to the Latino community. Makes a lot of sense with the amount of Latino players we have. So each team has their Spanish name and their Spanish mascot. And they wear those uniforms and those hats and have that mascot on certain days of the season. But I don't know which. So this is like when I have my Thursdays are for the plates shirt for the Rochester Red Wings. Because every Thursday they have this alternate jersey and they play as a team called the plates because that's a Rochester food. But now you're saying teams are doing it for with with, you know, with Spanish names and and the whole fiesta attitude. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I, like the fiesta attitude. I like it a lot, too. I it actually, fiesta attitude. It started last year with some other fun. It was called a, a, a program. For, that started with three teams last year called Es Divertido Ser Un Fan, which means it's fun to be a fan. So these huh, three huh. teams did an identity change, and I guess it over, went over well. It was the Charlotte Knights who became the Caballeros, which is gentlemen, but it kind of works with Knights, right? Mm -hmm. The Las Vegas 51s became the Reyes de Plata, which means Silver Kings. Not quite sure the relation to 51. Hey, the Vegas the hockey team is the Golden Knights. Oh, and they get to be silver. So uh, I don't know, there's a connection there. Maybe. And the Visalia Rawhide, which turned into the Toros, which is bulls. So Rawhide bull. I kind of get that. Sure. The super cool thing about this, though, is that at the end of the season, season, all this swag is going to be auctioned off and the pro proceeds go to Latino community organizations in the, in the areas where these minor league teams are. Makes a lot of sense. Do you have some favorites? I have so many favorites. I didn't even know where to start. Is this a shopping list? Do you this, have a shopping list of jerseys I, you need? I have to get some hats and jerseys <laughs> this summer, and I better get them fast. Tell us. At first, I thought, okay, so what they're going to do is they're just going to translate their team names, right? So you've got a couple of examples of that. The Hartford Yard Goats become the Chivos, which is goat in Spanish. Of course Spanish. it is. And the Richmond Flying Squirrels also stuck to that, and they're their Ardias Voladoras. Vola, voladoras? Yeah. Even, I'm, I'm tripping. Right. So that means flying I'm squirrels. So much that I won't remember. There are other teams that did not go with the direct translation. I don't know why Durham Bulls didn't. I guess maybe because Visalia had the Toros last year. I didn't connect that before. Oh, so maybe Toros were was taken. taken. So they went with Mal de Ojo, which is bad of eye. Is that like evil eye? I think so, because their their mascot or their symbol is this 
bull with a big eye bullseye. on its eye. That's I have never realized that maybe that's where it came bullseye, from. I think it's bullseyes. some, you know, the, cultural symbol, a bull with wow. one big eye. Anyway, they they that's a pretty cool hat right there. Uh-huh. But even better are our local Bowie Bay socks. They go with the Cangrejos Fantasmas de Chesapeake. That does not fit on a shirt. What does it mean? It means the ghost crabs. So it's the bay. We got the crabs. It's the ghost pe- crabs. Although of Chesapeake, the I wonder if they pronounce that Chesapeake. That's what that would be Spanish pronunciation of Chesapeake. That sounds like a, an episode name for like Supernatural, the ghost mm-hmm. crabs of the Chesapeake. I like it. I want to get one of those. Then I think some teams just took this opportunity to improve their names. I've been a fan of the wacky minor league baseball team names. And there's the El Paso Chihuahuas, which I thought... It's already Spanish, yeah, right? Yeah. So, like, why bother changing it? Well, what you can improve on Chihuahua. Most Tell people do not appreciate having Chihuahuas around. Labrador? They went up Retriever? to... Even better, margaritas. Like, how much better could you get? I would trade anything for a margarita. They traded a purse dog for a margarita? <laughs> I would trade... A chihuahua for a margarita, hands down. A, a, several chihuahuas for a margarita. Well, for a round of margaritas. Yeah. Right, so okay. We're, we're going to walk into the bar with a chihuahua in our with hands. With a purse full of chihuahuas. Hand it over. How many margaritas can I get from my bag full of chihuahuas? That would be a pitcher. Oh, okay. So we're going to get I'm a pitcher in. of chihuahuas. No. And then the <laughs> New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Fisher Cat is, you know, kitty cat, nice cat. They went to the Gatos Feroces, which are the ferocious cats. Scary. So, you know, go go to the one up for being toughness. And then there were these teams that just made me go, huh? Like, why did they bother? The Columbia Fireflies. It's kind of a nice thing. They went to Chicharrones, which is like fried pork scrap. And and their their um what do you call it their their design the the symbol that they have on their shirt is one of those pigs that you see like in a butcher's poster that has the sections. Oh, tell you where up. your pork chops come right. from as, a, as opposed to your side of bacon. You must really hate this, Ms. Vegetarian Potty Mouth. I'm not going to collect that. one. I would totally get that one, and I would, but I wouldn't wear it in front of you because I care. So why would you go from a firefly to a chicharron? Because I'm, no I'm much more frightened of a pig being served than um, fireflies. Fireflies are just cute. Yeah. Why is Fireflies the name of a baseball team? <laughs> there's, there's that. I mean, we're starting with a from a bad place. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to a weird place. So talk yeah, about, yeah, talk about uh, why would this be a name of a baseball team? The Lansing Lugnuts. Go Lugnuts. I know why. <laughs> Lansing is near Detroit, which is Motor City, and Lugnuts are what hold the wheels on your car. It's still stupid. That I was going to say, that explains why it makes sense for that location, but not why it fits any sort of sports team whatsoever. So you'd right. think you would take the opportunity and like there you could do a lot of cool things with motor in Spanish. Sure, yeah. But no, they went with Los Locos, which are the crazy guys, right? What would be the wing nuts instead of the lug nuts? That's, there you okay, go. So the wing nut what I'm seeing here is bad use of Google Translation. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening here. But in the meantime, we have to go shopping and here minor league baseball take all of our money. We're buying hats. We're buying shirts. What's happening tomorrow? Oh, my God. Potty Mouth, I can't stand it. I'm so excited. The first fucking baseball game I'm going to see is against the Yankees. That's great because it's an, it's an exhibition game. It's at 5 o'clock. We'll get to pay too much for beer, and they won't know how to serve it yet because the beginning of the season. It's going to be great. It'll be great. And, I, yeah, maybe I'll have to stop at the bar on the way there to be able to stomach. It'll be great, though. It's going to be a good what game. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing. We're going Nothing. to Nats Park tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. I'm taking off work early. But I have to come home and do work because I have to put my commissioner hat on. I don't know what that looks like. I take off my Nats cap and put on my commissioner cap because tomorrow night we I assign the the rosters. 
people are submitting their rosters for the Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League tomorrow night, and they'll find out who they actually end up getting on their team because I have to put it through the baseball rules, and I don't have an algorithm for that that exists in a computer. It's only in my commissioner brain. We have a little bit of a never going to be a boy's boyfriend list, so at least you have one thing to cross-check on. That's right. That's right. Opening day we get to see this week also. Oh, that is so close. And you know what I think? I think opening day should be a national holiday. I've already in my head reassigned um, Columbus Day to Election Day. I think Election Day should be a holiday instead of that. But we're running out of holidays we can reassign. I mean, I don't want to diss veterans, so I don't want to take that away or Memorial Day. I don't want to diss unions. I can't take Labor Day. President's Day, uh, I don't know, but I really want the day off for opening day without having to take my precious, precious vacation time. I'm good with one more day. I think that would be good. Yeah, I think it would be all right. How long do we have to wait until actual opening day? We're going to that opening day game in three days, eight hours, four minutes, and a matter of seconds from when you hear this. Oh, no, less from when you hear this. Matter of seconds from now. Math is funny. It's on Thursday, my people. It's on (laughs) Thursday. And if you can't stand just waiting it out until Thursday afternoon, you should be listening to some back episodes. You should tell your friends about No Crying in Baseball. Please Give us a review or rate the podcast wherever you get your podcast. That will help more people find us. And until then, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. <laughs>